get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. We're broadcasting live at the E&B Granite Studios out of the Centene Community Ice Center where Blues President of Hockey Operations, Doug Armstrong, just finished his meeting with the media. Alex T-Bone and myself are all here. We were at the press conference, so we'll get to our takeaways here in just a moment. Grant Francis working back in the studio for us this morning. We are going to be joined coming up in about 15 minutes by Craig Button, one of the best hockey analysts, in my opinion, and all of North America. Want to get his thoughts on the Craig Burby firing. But Alex, you are the Blues pre-post and intermission host right here on the home of the Blues 101 ESPN. Normally, I would give my diatribe on my thoughts on something. I want to hear yours first. The news of the day, Craig Berube has been fired. Drew Bannister will be the interim coach. Uh, Doug Armstrong moments ago telling us that that is not necessarily on a quote-unquote permanent basis. We'll see how long he has the title of interim coach. They could make a hire. They could make him the permanent guy. We'll see where that goes. What was your reaction to the Craig Berube firing? I'll preface my reaction by saying I understand the move, and it was a move that I think everybody, if you're a Blues fan, saw coming. But I hate it. I hate the decision that it led to because a team that was put together did not perform to the expectations that everybody had on those players. And this is what happens in the NHL. Players get coaches fired. If players don't play up to expectation, coaches are let go because, as Doug Armstrong said, and as any president of whatever sports operation has said, it's a lot easier to fire a coach than it is to fire an entire roster with salaries. But this is a move to me that signifies... The Blues are now entering more of a rebuild than a retool because a retool is when you have certain elements of your roster in place that you feel like can compete and you're trying to make everything else better. A rebuild is when now you're searching for all of the pieces to put together a competitive roster. To me, what happened last night is a flashback to 2008 when the Blues fired Andy Murray and brought in Davis Payne to take over for a roster that was growing up and then when they were grown up, they hired a Ken Hitchcock. Drew Bannister is put in a tough situation for a roster right now that doesn't know who they are, that doesn't know how they're supposed to play to win hockey games. Frankly, they're lost puppies. And you fire a head coach who, as Doug Armstrong just uh, il- illustrated for us in his press conference, won a Stanley Cup, then returned with the best record in the Western Conference, then followed that up following a COVID year that you throw out with a 110-point season. And then with back-to-back years where that roster just slowly faded away with guys that you brought in to play to the style of that head coach that had success, all of them faded out. You brought in new players that you had a style to run with, and those players did not play to the expectations your coach needed to win hockey games. And I understand if the Blues are going to make this decision to move on, but to me, 
this is not the way to go about it. Hiring Drew Bannister doesn't solve anything. I don't think it solves anything. I think what I, what I interpreted from Doug Armstrong's press conference, and I will say this on the front end as well, I disagree with the decision. I don't think Craig Bruby's your problem, just like I didn't think Ollie Marmel was the Cardinals' problem, and I... I think that was a less popular uh, belief than this one is. I think the popular belief among Blues fans is they got it wrong today. I think most people are saying to themselves or to others that, well, listen, Craig Burby should be the Blues head coach. I agree with that. I think he is a good coach. I think the problem with this team is, was, always has been the roster construction. And I think that all dates back to the Alex Petrangelo decision that made was made three years ago now. That being said, there are only so many moves that you can make with this roster. And if we put ourselves in Doug Armstrong's shoes and we believe in the roster, right or wrong, whatever we believe on the outside looking in does not matter from his perspective. If he believes there is more to this roster than what we are currently seeing on the ice. And he said that we have, quote, become everybody's homecoming game, end quote. If you're watching what we saw last night, if you're watching the lack of compete, if you're saying to the media, and he said this multiple times, what we are looking for right now from the next head coach is to bring more accountability and to bring more, what was the other word that he used for Professionalism. it? Professionalism. Uh, I don't think, physicality maybe? Um, he, he said that that is, oh, increased passion, increased accountability is what he's looking for. He is essentially saying, without saying it, the players stopped playing for Craig Berube. Now, you want to blame the players? I don't blame you. I agree with you. But he has now taken away one of the potential variables. He last offseason said, I think our defensive core is better than this. I'm firing the defensive coach. Uh, we are changing the defensive structure. We are going to see if it was a player issue or if it was a scheme slash coaching issue. They are now doing the same thing with the head man. I think that it is embarrassing for this team, for this organization, that Craig Berube, the first coach ever in the history of this organization, is fired because of that. But we all kind of knew this was coming eventually. I cannot believe that it happened this quickly into the retool. And, th and this is my issue with this, this rabbit hole you go down. If it's, well, the players stopped playing for that coach, the message got stale, Berube lost the room, however you want to label it. Now you are starting a vicious cycle of players recognizing that if they don't like the coach, the coach is gone. And at some point, you can't keep coming up with the, well, it's harder to move on from players than it is a head coach. And now you're going to be searching for a head coach that had something that brought the passion to a locker room. Remember, that team had zero passion in 2019. He brought the accountability to that locker room. It was a group of players, and Curbs tweeted it out earlier today, that had all of the veteran experience in the world. Now you've got a group of younger players who are seeing a Stanley, Cal a Stanley Cup caliber coach basically gets kicked out the door if you guys decide to not play the way he's asking you to. We talked about it on postgame. The coaching staff lays out exactly what this team needs to do to be successful, and they're not doing what they're laying out. Agreed, but isn't that all the reason to fire the coach right now? And yeah. again, I disagree with it. I think it's ridiculous that we have arrived at this place. What are you trying to accomplish, though, firing this head coach to bring in Drew Bannister? It's not about the record. That's what I think a lot of people are getting, in my opinion, wrong It's today. the development of Kairou and Thomas. I don't think so. I think it's about them playing hard. 
How many times have we left a game this year and said, that team didn't play hard last night? That is the single easiest thing for individual players to be able to determine, is how hard am I playing tonight? And far too many times over the last two seasons, I don't feel like the Blues have played hard. And if I'm in Doug Armstrong's shoes, I would say, I don't like that this is the case because I don't think it's Craig Berube's fault. But I have to find out if it's Craig Berube's fault. Because before I ship out a bunch of these players, I need to find out, okay, was it just a message that got stale? But a year what? ago, you said it wasn't Craig Berube's fault. I still don't believe it's no, Craig No, I'm Berube's saying fault. Doug Armstrong told us that this is and not then on Craig Berube. Year it happened. Yeah. But at that point, I would look at it and say, you know what? It's the same roster. I think it might be the roster but problem. But they didn't have the same roster this year. They did bring in a couple of new voices. How many times they have we said? brought in one guy of Kevin Two. Hayes. They brought in Hayes and Oscar Sundquist. But uh, how many times have we said, Alex, uh, again, I am arguing a side that I don't agree with. I think it is insane that we have fired in St. Louis the one coach that has ever brought us a Stanley Cup. I think that is crazy. If you had told me this five years ago, or I guess four years ago now, I would have said there's no way that guy gets fired that quickly after winning a Stanley Cup. That can't happen, but it has and it did. So now I am trying to backtrack on how did this take place? How did we arrive at this place? Well, we said all offseason they need to add more culture, guys. They need to add more people that will help inside of that uh, dressing room. Well, they did. Oscar Sundquist is a guy that keeps it light. We all say he's one of the most likable dudes that you could possibly find. Braden Shin named the captain the way that we all thought he should have been. The l- leadership core is basically what we all expected it to be. And they bring in Kevin Hayes, who they believe to be a very good guy inside of that locker room as well. So they're adding all of these pieces to the locker room that are supposed to be culture guys, that are supposed to improve in terms of the try-hard attitude of the, the team. I found it to be very interesting today that he said, Doug Armstrong did, quote, Tory Krug might be one of the most competitive players on a consistent basis, end quote. That is a player that is a whipping boy for this fan base, and I think he hasn't played particularly well this year. But Army clearly has a different perspective than we do in that regard. So if he's seeing all of this, and he's seeing the roster moves that he made to improve the culture of the team, and he's still seeing it amounts to this on the ice, where far too many nights, including last night, they don't show up. They don't look prepared. They give up two, three, four goals in the course of a three, four, five-minute stretch. At some point, a change has to be made. I think that it is insane that the players are in this place where they have forced this decision by Doug Armstrong. But I don't necessarily disagree that something had to change, and I don't know what other move right now there was to make, honestly. Well, and this is why I personally look at it as you're entering a vicious cycle of now you're going to be searching for a head coach that can get the most out of this rostered players and that rostered players you don't envision being there within the next couple of seasons you envision a different group of players being here so you're you're crossing two ships at each other and none are going to be able to meet on what you're hoping for to whereas if you had the head coach and decided to you know what we're gonna have to figure out something roster wise and again I understand this is the way it has to go, which is probably why the frustration is there so much. But what you're going to be doing is the same thing I said last year when people were talking about trading Colton Pareko. You are going to be searching for that defenseman for the next six years and missing out on winning windows. You are going to be searching for that head coach for the next six years and miss out on winning windows. I agree, but they weren't firing Army. Yep. And they can't fire all of these players. And so what ends up happening, while I agree that the reason why 
Craig Berube was fired yesterday started with the decision to not give a no-move clause to Alex Petrangelo. I think that was the starting point. We said it at the time, Alex. We disagreed with that, and we said, if you do this now, you're going to be cycling through all of these different guys to try to replace him, and they have done exactly that, and now they're stuck with all of them. A lot of them are all here for the long term, and they've all got no-trade clauses. So what do you do? Hire the coach. That's what you do. It's the only thing that you have that you can do yep. because you got to find a way. You are trying to uh, seek your way through the pile of you-know-what to get to the other side, and right now you're stuck in the middle of it, and the only way that you can potentially open a, a hatch door, a, a, a way out, is to be able to go out there and fire your head coach. I can't believe that we're here. I don't think this is going to solve the issues that plague the St. Louis Blues right now. But this is the only option that they had available to them, and Doug Armstrong decided uh, to take that trap door and go ahead and open it today. For Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. This is going to be the entirety of the show. Want to hear from you guys today? 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You can watch us on YouTube and comment on there as well. We'll get to some of those at 101 ESPN STL. Coming up next, Craig Button, I think, is one of the best hockey analysts in all of North America. He was on TSN last night talking about his reaction to the Craig Berube firing. We'll get it for you next year on 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. You've got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. The breaking news today here in St. Louis is that Craig Berube has been let go as the head coach of the St. Louis Blues. We are broadcasting at the Centene Community Ice Center via the E&B Granite Studios, where Doug Armstrong just a little bit ago held his press conference today, and we're reacting to the news with Craig Button, hockey analyst for TSN. You can follow him on Twitter at Craig J. Button, one of the best in the business you will not find a better hockey analyst out there. Craig, we appreciate the time as always, man. Let's get right into this. What was your reaction last night when you saw the news that Craig Berube had been fired here in St. Louis? Yeah, not surprised. Uh, I think that uh, when you look at a team that certainly uh, uh, kind of had lots of inconsistencies in the game, a lot of different elements that you're looking at from uh, from an evaluation point of view where you're saying, okay, these are things that just, you know, don't give us a chance to win. We, we, we hurt ourselves. And, you know, when you start to, when you start to get to a point and there was reports that, Hey, listen, there was a lot of uh, eyes uh, on, on coach Craig Ruby in, in, in St. Louis heading into that game. When those types of feelings start to come out or the, those reports start to come out, you know, like Doug Armstrong made the change after the game last night. He he had already made up his mind he was making a change. 
now. I mean, that doesn't mean it would have happened if they won last night. Or maybe he may have waited another day, but he, but in, in his mind, he'd already made he'd already decided he was going to change the coach. Now, you know, I hear I hear a lot. Well, the, you know, the St. Louis Blues they didn't play to their identity. You know, when they won the Stanley Cup in twenty nine, that's a long time ago. And the team that the St. Louis Blues had today, they can't play to the identity that the Stanley Cup winning St. Louis Blues uh, had, and that's not on the coach. That's on the person. That's on the person with the personnel. That falls squarely on Doug Armstrong's shoulders. And I'm sure, in fact, I would be shocked if Doug was accountable for that. Well, and to that point, Craig, when you look at this roster, it's pretty clear on paper that it's not a, a Craig Berube type roster. So it feels like the downfall started, and we talked about this a little bit ago. Once the Alex Petrangelo situation happened, why do you think it trended this direction with Doug Armstrong of getting away from the personnel that matches Craig Berube's identity? Well, well, you know, Craig was the coach, and and you know, you go back to that point in time, you know, just around this time, you know, the Blues weren't performing very well, you know, the end of 2018, and you know, you looked at the team. I, I know we look at it that doesn't perform to the identity of Craig Berube. The St. Louis Blues don't perform to the identity of any team that has desires on winning the Stanley Cup. It's a small blue line. I mean, you think about the players they lost. I mean, they lost. I mean, Jay Boomister leaves, Alex Petrangelo leaves, Edmondson leaves, and now you've replaced them with small defensemen. Good luck. Good luck is all I'm going to tell you. You lose, you lose some skill. You lose some size and, and, and strength and depth in, in, in your forward group. You're not going to compete. I don't care who your coach is. You're going to put Scotty Bowman, Al Arbor, John Cooper, Jared Bednar, and Craig Berube behind the bench. None of those coaches are going to like the team that's there in terms of trying to compete for a Stanley Cup. I think it's too easy to say that you have a team. Listen, I'm going to go back in time. Back in early in when Doug took over the job in Dallas as general manager, he traded, he traded Joe Newendike and Jamie Eisenbrenner. That was a fundamental change to two key players on the team in Dallas. They never found their way again. Losing to Alex Petrangelo? Is, is exactly the same for the St. Louis Blues that it was losing Lagan Brunner and Neuendijk. Is there a way to get this thing back on track quickly, Craig? Because I think that's one of the questions that a lot of Blues fans are asking right now. They are saying that this is a retool. This is not a rebuild. They hope to be back in the playoffs. They believe that they can compete for the playoffs as soon as this season, and that's part of why this move was made right now. Do you believe that this is something that can be gotten back on the tracks quickly, or is this a longer-term rebuild that we're talking about right now, given what the roster is? Well, I guess we're going to have to define what's longer term and what's quick. Okay. Sure. So, you know, like, I, like and, and I'm just going to go through this uh, in, in, in this manner. I, I would not expect when, when it's December the 13th that when you're making a change of this uh, magnitude, that you're going to come out, yeah, we don't think we have a chance to make the playoffs. Of course they think they have a chance to make the playoffs. That's why they made the change. And they're not going to come out and say, hey, listen, you know what? We made this change, but, like, you know, we don't have any chance to play us. But I, I don't see them as a playoff team. I, I, I didn't see them as a playoff team before the season started. I certainly don't see them as a playoff team now. Now, so if, if, if it's about can they quickly turn this around uh, with respect to, uh, you know, making the playoffs, I don't think that's realistic. You know, a, a new voice, Drew Bannister is a good coach. 
in my view, and you know, bringing in some different ideas and 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 some different uh, concepts of how you want the team to play. I I, I think that that uh, can have a can have an impact. You get the players' attention when you make a coaching change like this. Now, when it goes to what does this what does this mean for the for the longer term future of the Blues? And when I, I I'm talking about going to next year, I think the St. Louis Blues have a really good pool of prospects. Like, I'm not talking about players, oh, they might be able to play in the NHL, they look like that. I'm talking about a really good pool of prospects. I mean, you're seeing Jake Neighbors play this year. Jimmy Snuggerud, who was a first-round draft pick, is going to be a really good player. Uh, Zachary Bolduc, to me, is going to be a really good player. The players they drafted last year, three in the first round, they're all going to be uh, playing at the World Junior Tournament. Dvorsky, Stenberg, and Lindstein, all good players. What does that mean? They're young, and it's going to take two years before those players are going to come in and make a material difference to your team. That's just the way it works. So is, is there a real promise? The, the coverage are far from bare. The, the, there's really good uh, prospects in the thing. And, 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 and I, I mentioned neighbors. And there's Tyru and Thomas who are not old. They're young players. And when you have that kind of a base, then you don't have to look at something as a complete rebuild. You're looking at it as a, I, I, I think this is a reset with the coach. I think that's clear. I, I'm, I'm stating the obvious here, but I do think that this is a, a retool in terms of like, okay, we're going to give our play. We're going to give those younger players a, a, an opportunity to grow. We're going to give them an opportunity to develop, which is necessary. But if, if, if this team, if anybody thinks that this team is going to turn around and be a contender in the next 18 to 24 months, I think that is really unrealistic. And Craig, speaking of Drew Bannister taking over as the interim, we only know from his work in the minor leagues and from junior leagues, a former NHL player, but Doug Armstrong talked about the job being wide open while they search for the permanent head coach. Is there a coach that you feel like matches the identity of what Doug Armstrong's searching for? Because everybody in St. Louis brings up the names of like Joel Quenville if he becomes available or available again. Or, or do you start to look maybe outside the the traditional coaches who have been in the NHL before? Well, I mean, Joel Quenville is dealing with a situation uh, that hasn't been resolved as of yet, and that's reinstatement from from the commissioner. So until that process, and, and, and until there's a, a desire uh, to, to, to begin that process by team, by, by, by individual, in this case, Joel or both, you, you know, that's the, I don't want to say he's in limbo, but, you know, that's the uncertainty of it. You know, we, we, we keep talking about the identity of a team. I, I don't think, I, 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 Doug, in my view, hasn't lost what, what, uh, what, what the view of a good team looks like. And, and I just mentioned the prospects, but this team isn't it. This team isn't it. And again, so it's not about a coach. It's a, like a particular coach. You always want a good coach, a coach that can come in and a coach that can instill a really good system of team play, uh, a, a togetherness, a, a, a esprit de corps within your group. And, and Craig Bruby did that. And good coaches do that. I, I think you have to take a, a, a view of this team. Okay. What do we need now? What do we need going forward? Can that be the same person? And where do we find ourselves in two years, three years down the road? Because two, three years down the road now is going to be very different for that coach. I, 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 you know, teams reach a point. I, I, a good example is the Vegas Golden Knights. The Vegas Golden Knights 
had Peter DeBoer. Good coach. They didn't make the playoffs. I mean, he he did he, the year that he didn't make the playoffs. They let him go. They hired Bruce Cassidy. They were in a very different mindset. They were trying to find a coach that could come in and get that team back to that level. They win the Stanley Cup. The Blues aren't there. I I think that when you're looking at the coach, it's about somebody that can help this team grow, help the individuals grow, and two years down the road might be a better time to start evaluating. Do we need a different coach? I. Person, pers- personality-wise, coach and GM have to match, have to work together. I mean, D- Drew Bannister isn't in the organization by accident. You, you know, that process is all, 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 has already taken place. Now for Doug, gives him an opportunity to, you know, watch Drew at the NHL level, spend some time with him, watch how he interacts with the players. Uh, and, and that's what this year will, will, will do, the remainder of this year will do uh, for that relationship. And going forward, how Doug feels about Drew remaining in the job or, or looking elsewhere or looking outside or looking past Drew for somebody else. Craig Button is our guest for just another minute here on 101 ESPN, hockey analyst for TSN, also former NHL general manager. We always appreciate getting his perspective here on the show. Uh, Craig, my final question for you. Do you believe that the Blues made a mistake with the decision to fire Craig Berube? How are we going to view this decision in your mind a couple of years from now? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say, listen, I I think Craig Berube is a really top-notch coach. But coaches have expiry dates. And I think that, you know, where, where the team was at, where Craig was at in terms of his coach, it doesn't make him any less of a coach. But you're, you're trying to affect change with your group in a manner where the coach takes sometimes responsibility and sometimes accountability that isn't all on him. But, but that's, the, that's the fact that, that that's the nature of, of, of pro sports. That's the nature of coaching. Craig knows the deal, and everybody knows the deal. I, I think that the evaluation of this is going to have to be, I think we did it earlier here. Like, is it Craig Berube's fault that the composition of the team is, is not one that can contend? I don't think so. And I said it earlier. Doug will be fully accountable. Of that, I have no doubt. And so you make the first change knowing that, you know, we have to, we have to do something to make a change. And now the second part is going to have to be how, how is Doug going to retool this team? Because that's that's the next that's the next mandate. And my final one from you, Craig, and really appreciate the time. That that retooling this team, it, for me personally, it feels like it's the defensive side. And I remember talking to you at the beginning of the season and you talking about how teams just really aren't afraid of the Blues in terms of going to the front of the net. Is that still the biggest need for Doug Armstrong is fixing this defense? Absolutely it is. Absolutely. You cannot, first of all, you can't lose a number one, you know, elite defenseman in Alex Petrangelo. You, you can push players up into, into those minutes, but you don't replace the quality of minutes that Petrangelo delivered. So that, that exodus by Alex Petrangelo has left a massive hole in the blue line. You know, Jay Boomeister was really good. I mean, he was older. He was moving on. Joel Edmondson, but they added a lot of stuff. The, the blue line isn't good enough. It, it, it's not big enough, it's not long enough, it's not hard enough defensively. And so until that improves, that's the first thing that's got to improve in my view. And until that improves and until there's reinforcements on the blue line, the Blues will continue to struggle in the same areas that they've struggled last year and this year. Craig Button, you're the absolute best man. Thank you so much for joining us on short notice. Reach out to you last night. It's incredibly kind of you to be able to hop on with us this morning. All the best to you and yours. Hopefully we'll talk with you again soon, my friend. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Always happy to help. Awesome. Thanks, Craig. That's Craig Button, former NHL general manager, now a hockey analyst for TSN, for my money, uh, one of the best hockey analysts in all of North America. Alex, I think he spelled it out there, and he's he's echoing a lot of our sentiments. I for for me, I think that the biggest issues for this team are the roster, like the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, all the way down. Like those are the problems. However, if I'm in Doug Armstrong's shoes, and somebody on the text line asked me earlier, uh, hey, BK, why do you think it is that Doug Armstrong can't or won't be fired? He won't be fired because Tom Stillman's not going to fire him. He, yeah. he He's is... got the trust of the ownership, just like we're seeing John Moselock with the Cardinals. Exactly. You can agree or disagree with that, and that is totally your prerogative. However, I'm trying to operate in what is real, what is happening, and what is real for the Blues is that they are trusting Doug Armstrong to be the steward, to be the captain of the ship, throughout this retool and if he has determined the first thing I need to do in order to evaluate this roster to find out what the next step is in the course of action that step is firing Craig Berube he said right there Craig Button did the next thing that has to happen is he's got to figure out how to find this to figure or to fix this defensive core and I think that is going to be much harder the easy thing the easiest thing to do as crazy as this sounds is firing the Stanley Cup winning head coach. The hard part is what comes next. Yeah, where you nearly had it in the offseason. Like, you nearly had it to where somebody was coming in, and I don't even know if Travis Sanheim's viewed as a number one. And this has nothing to do with Tory Krug being traded away and everything to do with you bringing in a Travis Sanheim who at least labels as a top-pair defenseman. That is the hardest part. And it it's unfortunate that somebody who's got Stanley Cup prowess was let go relieved of his duties because a roster is put in place that has zero success of what they were hoping for. And even Craig said, you you don't you know what the identity of is of that Blues team right now, but you also knew what the identity of the Blues team was with Craig Berube and somewhere in the middle where it got muddied. He's Alex Ferrario. We have Grant Francis back in the studio for us in Creve Court today. I'm Brandon Kiley. We're broadcasting live at the E&B Granite Studios out at the Centene Community Ice Center where Doug Armstrong met with the media earlier this morning to discuss his decision to let go Craig Berube. It's going to be Drew Bannister as the next head coach for the Blues, at least on on an interim basis, uh, Doug Armstrong saying earlier today, he's not sure how long that will last. Could last a month, could last a week, could last a year. We're not sure. Uh, but the process to find the next head coach of the Blues starts right now. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, we continue discussing the news of the day. I thought a couple of the things that Doug Armstrong said earlier were particularly interesting, especially as it pertains to some of the players on this roster. We'll get into that coming up at the top of the hour, but coming up next, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe it's PK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers from the 314. Guys, does it make sense to you to hold on to a top-tier goalie who's in his 30s when you're still years away from contending? I know we all love Jordan Bennington, but if you're willing to move on from Craig Berube, maybe we should have the conversation about Bennington as well. Look, I, I, 
I, I don't think I would move on from Jordan Bennington because he's the only person that I really believe is keeping you competitive. If not for Bennington, we're talking about a first overall draft pick this year. Uh, and that's no shot at Joel Hofer. It's just not as consistent as what Jordan Bennington has been. But now hearing Craig Button talk and specifically about like, yeah, you're probably going to be waiting a couple of years before these Stenbergs and Lindsteins and Dvorskys and Snuggeroods are all helping out. Maybe, but I don't know with this team. Like Doug Armstrong made it very clear that there's a there's a big what if right now of where this team is at. You're not trading them just to get draft picks because that's a full rebuild. And if you think you can at least make the playoffs, you got to keep a Jordan Bennington. But look, if somebody's going to come to you and offer you something that expedites this retool, I, I can't say it's off the board right now because, frankly, it seems like this team's in a throw-your-hands-up situation and not knowing where you're at. I wouldn't do it still because I would wait and see where we're at, but... He's got a no-trade, too. Yeah. So he's got to be agree- agreed to it. I... I, I- I don't think that I would do it. He would not be the guy that I would be looking to move. But I do think there are hard conversations that are going to have to take place with some of the other players on this roster, specifically Pavel Buchnevich. Yep. I don't know what his future is going to hold here in St. Louis, man. But I like Pavel Buchnevich to be around long term. Yes. Do I think he's the best player on this roster? Yes. Do I think your penalty kill, power play, five on five, everything gets worse if he's not around? 100%. But for all of those reasons and then some, that's also why you could get a massive return for Pavel Buchnevich with a year and a half of control. This is, I mean, it's not the same thing. He's not a generational player the way that this guy is that I'm about to mention. But when the Nationals decided to move on from Juan Soto's with the acknowledgement that, hey, we're going through a rebuild. We have a year and a half of a contender to be able to have him as a controllable asset. We're going to get more now than we would if we waited and held on to them until later. That could be something that the Blues look at as well. Um, I would not want to move on from him, but he would be more the guy that I think is a real conversation here, more so than a goalie who's 30 years old that you really want to keep around because he's a big part of the culture of the roster as well. And he's got a no trade. I, I think you have to, speaking on the Buchnevich side of it, I think you have to find out what the framework of what that contract's going to look like for an extension. Eight plus mil at least. Be- if that sense, I don't know if I'm giving him it. Because as much as I love Buchnevich and agree with you that, you know, what power play, penalty kill, even strength, they're all worse off without him. Are you really better with him? Because you've been struggling an awful lot, not just this season, but last season. He's a part of the inconsistency right now. So before I'm handing out eight-year $8 million contract extensions to players like I did with Kyrou and Thomas, man, I got to be damn sure that these guys are going to be a part of the solution rather than a part of the problem. From the 980, guys, John Mosellock is seen from a lot of fans as the villain number one here in St. Louis. The reasons for, for that, he doesn't even necessarily have control of. A lot of it has to do with the money that he has available to him. Do you believe that Doug Armstrong has leapfrogged John Mosellock as the top villain in St. Louis sports? Uh, I do not believe that. I do think that a lot of the opinions of Doug Armstrong have shifted over the course of the last 12 months. I think Barubi did. I think Barubi pushed it over the edge for a lot of fans. I think so. Um, I would also add this. I, I think that it's been heading this direction. Like, it's been a train that is on the tracks with no way to stop. The brakes have been cut, and I don't think a lot of people saw it coming. And I, I this is not me tooting my own horn. Again, I get a lot of stuff Here wrong. It is. But toot, toot. I, 
I've been talking about this for a while now, that a lot of the things that we give John Mosaylock a lot of criticism for, I don't understand why we just let Doug Armstrong get a free pass for those same types of decisions. I think some of the moves that the Blues have made in recent years, they're not specifically trades where you are seeing somebody from your team traded to another team for another player that comes in and is worse than them. But effectively, a lot of what the Blues have done in recent seasons is trade better players for worse players. Now, some of your guys have been older, but Army said earlier today, this is just the reality of a cap league. It's not necessarily the case, yeah, though. We did that yesterday. Some of what the Blues have done has been self-inflicted. They let Alex Petrangelo walk. I'm seeing all of the texts that say, but he didn't want to sign here. Baloney. Nonsense. We know that is not the case. Alex Petrangelo wanted to sign in St. Louis. What happened is he was not offered a no-move clause. And by the time they were finally willing to even explore the possibility of doing so, it had been a calendar year of Petro trying to negotiate with the Blues. And the Blues saying, we're not doing that for the first captain to ever hoist the Stanley Cup over his head here in St. Louis. So no, get your nonsense out of here. That is not true. He did want to sign here. The Blues decided not to sign him, and they're paying the price for it today. Yep. And what you did by that was you ended up replacing him with Justin Falk, Nick Letty, Tory Crew. Yeah, rather have, than spend $8 million, you spent $17 million trying to fill the void of one player. You downgraded from uh, David Perron to Jake Neighbors, Ivan Barbashev to Brandon Saad, Alex Steen to Kasperi Kapanen, Zach Sanford to Nikita Alexandrov, Pat Maroon to Alexei Torbchenko. Not all of those moves are without explanations. Obviously, you had to move on from Alex Steen. Like, some of these, I get it. But the Blues have downgraded on, like, of your starting roster, 14 of the 23 spots. So it, it's kind of hard for me to sit back here and look at it and say to myself, yeah, it's, it, it's totally without question. There are no faults at all here for Doug Armstrong. I think a lot of the criticism has gone overlooked for years and I think finally it's starting to catch up because the losses are starting to catch up. And I think the biggest reason why a lot of people would put Armstrong below John Mozeliak is because they've seen those moves that Army can pull off. I mean, yeah, they're all pre-Stanley Cup championship, post-Stanley Cup championship, minus the Pavel Buchnevich hasn't been there. But, I mean, nearly pulled off the trade for a Travis Sanheim last year he's got the ability and and he said it when they asked like do you have faith that you could put this on the right track and he said with my ability yes i do now maybe that's a little over ego right there to where you look at it and you say well i've done it before i can do it again which has put you in this bad spot but the reason that it feels like the faith is there with john mozaylock or i'm sorry with doug armstrong is because he has pulled this off multiple times but I'm not sure. For me, it's like Tony LaRusso right now. It's a, it's a tie for first because this was kind of the moment for me that was like, yeah, this is where it went overboard because you saw the, the, the buildings up with the Petrangelos, the Perons, the O'Reillys. And then when we did that research yesterday and found out that it was an area that you still could have had, and then you fire the coach because of the roster you've put into place. Yeah, that's where it starts to get frustrating. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. You've got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. If you guys want to get involved in the show, 314-399-9646 is the place to do so. You can also watch us on YouTube. We've got a chat going on over there at 101 ESPN. STL is where you can watch us on YouTube. Those cams are powered by the Air Alliance team. Coming up next. The Blues aren't playing hard enough right now. That was the clear message from Doug Armstrong, and that is why Craig Berube got fired. We'll let you hear what he had to say earlier today coming up next year on 101 ESPN.
We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Sounds like the players have just spoken with the media. We'll have that audio for you here in just a little bit. Braden Shin was made available. T-Bone, who else was available today with uh, with the locker room? Jordan Bennington, and then that was the only two that spoke today. Okay, wow. was anybody else approached and said no, or was this a situation where those were just the two guys just that were made available? Just the two that I heard so speak. It was so. probably nobody in the locker room, and two guys walked out and talked so. to the media, okay. yeah. which sounds about right. You'd have the two guys that were under Craig Berube, uh, and once we hear from Braden Shen what T-Bone told us, we'll all understand why. Um, so there we go. Uh, it is Braden Shin and Jordan Bennington that were made available. So we'll hear from them here in just a little bit. But Alex, Doug Armstrong spoke to the assembled media out here at the Centene Community Ice Center earlier today. I want to react to a few of the things that he had to say. I thought there were uh, two main messages that he sent to both the team and to fans from his conversation with us earlier. One... It's not about the record. I think a lot of people have pushed back on this decision of firing Craig Berube by saying, well, what'd you expect? You thought that the Blues would be better than they are? They said that they wanted to be in the middle of the Western Conference. They are. They said that they wanted to be fighting for third place in the Central Division. They are. The record is what Craig Berube expected it to be, what Doug Armstrong expected it to be. That's true. Uh, It's hard to deny the numbers. They are indeed right where they thought they would be record-wise. The difference, though, is what it looks like on a night-in, night-out basis, and that's what Doug Armstrong mentioned earlier today. I, I think we, we, we're a better team than, than our, our play indicates. I don't know if we're a better team than our record indicates. I really don't. But I know we're a better team than our play indicates. And I think those ebbs and flows are, are what I'm looking to, to minimize. And then, you know what? If we're not good enough, we're not good enough. But I... I Arrogance, ignorance. I can't believe that anyone could put up those last three rosters that we played and our rosters and think we should lose all three of those games. I loved that quote so much because a Columbus Blue Jackets team that was without Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Laine and one of their top defensemen, and you laid the egg. The Chicago Blackhawks, who were without Taylor Hall, and you laid an egg. Corey Perry. Corey Perry. And then the Detroit Red Wings, who were without Dylan Larkin, David Perron, and played last night, lost to the Dallas Stars, and went with 11 forwards and seven defensemen, and you laid an egg. So he's right. And and I understand what he was saying there of, I, I, I can't believe that this roster is this bad. I personally believe he's in denial right now because a year ago, last year, he said this exact same thing where I don't believe that this roster is as bad as they're performing in the midst of a seven-game losing streak. A year later, you avoided those seven-game losing streaks as long as you could, but then you fell into the eventual trap that every advanced analytics person told you you were about to fall into with the roster still in place. So He's right. You're trying to stop these ebbs and flows, but the problem is the ebbs and flows of the player, and Shen said this following the Chicago Blackhawks game, the ebbs and flows of the players aren't coming from the coaching staff. The coaching staff is telling you everything you need to know. The ebbs and flows are coming from the players that step on the ice and say, you know what? I don't really want to do this tonight. And that's what he was so frustrated with was the inability, the unwillingness to play hard. And that was the other thing that he mentioned earlier today, how unacceptable it is for the team to not be ready to play. Well, I, I, I think, again, ha- having 
been removed from the white noise for a couple of weeks in Europe. It's it's not something that you want to hear as a manager that we just didn't prepare to play tonight or we just didn't have it tonight. Like that's there's there's things in in your career and your job every day and your life every day that you control. And preparing to work is one of them and working hard is the other. I don't care what you do for a living. So when you when you when you face people that ask you that question and say, "Yeah, just didn't prepare today. Wasn't wasn't, you know, just didn't have it today." And you say it time and time and time again, it gets people's attention. It got my attention. Well, and it got your attention because look at the the teams that you were going up against that oh, we just didn't have it today or we just weren't ready for this one today. You weren't ready for the San Jose Sharks who had one victory at the time that you played against them. You weren't ready for the Columbus Blue Jackets that were calling out player after player after player. You weren't ready for the Detroit Red Wings who had their two best players not playing, who had not won a game since Patrick Kane signed and suited up for the Detroit Red Wings. You weren't ready to take on that team. The information is beyond accessible for these guys. The coaching meetings that take place of the film, the pointing out of every little detail of what's gone wrong and how it's gone wrong and why it's gone wrong and the tapes of at the beginning of the season. How is it possible that all of that takes place and you still weren't ready to take on this opponent tonight. That's the question that Doug Armstrong is asking. And why did he fire the coach? But you were asking that same question last year. I'm with you, but why do you fire the coach? Because you're still asking the question, and here's what Doug Armstrong had to say about that when it comes to eliminating variables on what this could be about. I personally didn't feel well about our performance, and you, you try and extend someone you have as much respect for, and Craig, as much latitude and and rope as possible but last night's game against a depleted Detroit team that was tired looked a lot like a depleted Columbus team that was tired and a depleted Chicago team and there just wasn't a feeling that there was something that was going to change today if we just came in and went back to work that would make tomorrow different now I don't know if tomorrow is going to be different I just know one of the things that has been removed from the equation that that we can focus on it was the head coach and now the, the everything when when you make that change everything gets you know we're getting now to the center of the hourglass and that that's myself that's and that's the players this this feels so much like and I know Doug has said that it's not the same problem as the independent contractors at the press conference with Barubi but what he just said right there is what he said in 2018 when he said, I'm not going to be doing this again with another head coach, of looking at it and saying, well, the players weren't responding, so we got to find somebody else. I think for what it's worth, he was talking about like immediately. Immediately. Well, look, he's probably it's going to. It's a very different group of players Drew now Ban- than it was then. And Drew Bannister is an interim head coach. You're right there. But in this, in this situation that they're in, you're looking at a roster that has had the same problems. And again, I understand it's process of elimination. You've got to eliminate all the variables that you're unsure about so you can get to the piece and it slaps you in the face and says, hey, this is the problem right here. 
the issue is now it feels like you're going to be presenting another problem with a group of players that you're unsure about when you bring in a head coach that you're like, okay, well, let's see if he can bring the passion back to these guys. I, I personally view it as the aggressiveness is the problem, and I think you've got guys that don't have that in them to bring that aggressiveness to the game. I don't think this is a a, a message being sent to the players of now you got to start playing aggressive. I think this is you've you know you've seen it for over a year now. You've got a group of guys that when push comes to shove, they're not ready to push back at the opponent in any capacity. Whereas when you've got a desperate San Jose Sharks team, a desperate Chicago Blackhawks team, a desperate Detroit Red Wings team, man, they're going to fight until the end where the Blues are like, ah, not sure if, worth, if it's worth it right now. Alex, when I have something that goes wrong in my car, I'm not going to be the one that does this. But I know that the people that are at the local car shop, what they're going to do is they're going to troubleshoot it, right? They're going to test a number of different things before finding out exactly what the root cause of the problem is, right? When you feel really crappy. Typically, like, whatever it is that you're feeling as a symptom, it's a symptom of something bigger that is currently running through your system. If you've got a fever, it's because you have some kind of an illness that's running through your body, right? The, the fever is something that is separate from the actual thing that is affl- afflicting your body at that time. What they're trying to find out by making this move, what is this? Is this, is this lack of effort? Is it a symptom of them just tuning out the coach? Is that just who these players are, and we miscalculated who the guys are that we're bringing into this locker room? I don't know the answer to that question right now, and frankly, if you th- anybody that thinks they do, I think you're kidding yourself because we don't know. We have no idea because we've seen most of the guys that are in that locker room right now play really well and play really hard and even play consistently. Again, most of them, not all of them, but for the most part. So right now, again, I... I think it is silly that we have arrived at this place because I think Craig Bruby is a good head coach, but we know how the NHL works. I don't blame Army, honestly, for making this move today, even though it makes me mad because I think it has more to do with stuff that has already taken place years ago. I think this is a symptom of Army's moves. But if he believes in this roster, and he clearly does, he has to. It's his roster. He assembled it. He has to find out What is the root cause of the problems that's taking place? And the first thing, the easiest thing that you can eliminate from this equation is the head coach. And the next thing that you've got to do is figure out how the roster plays and what it ends up looking like after you make those changes. And I, the, the, the car reference that you went there, the first thing I thought of is I think that you're somebody who knows your car is a lemon and you keep buying more and more pieces for it to hopefully fix the car where you just need to buy a new car. And, I mean, and, maybe, but it's also really freaking expensive to buy a new car. And yeah. if I don't have enough money to go out there and buy my new car, I'm going to keep throwing money, even if it's stupid, even if it's dumb. I don't have enough money in my savings account to be able to go out and put down a down payment on a new car. So instead, I'm going to keep paying the $300 to have somebody come out and look at my car. Hopefully, this time it ends up working. Like that's where The you starter went out one time. The, uh, my, the spark plugs were a problem the next time. The next time it was the battery that had gone bad. Like All of this is probably symptoms of a bigger problem with my car. Agreed. I need a new car. I can't afford it right now. Five years from now, I'll go ahead and get that car when I'm making a little bit more money at my job. All right, we got to continue on here. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit more about what the Blues are going through right now. Who are the players that the focus shifts to now? 
because it's one thing for Barubi to be sent his way. There's going to be players, though, that come into the forefront that fans are looking for, that Army is looking for, that we here in the media are going to be looking for. Who are they? We'll put a spotlight on them coming up next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Coming up in 15 minutes, we're going to give you a chance to win a pair of tickets to see Def Leppard and Journey, so stay tuned for that. That is, again, coming up here in just about 15 minutes. Don't stop believing. But we got to talk a little bit about this roster, Alex, because all of the focus today has been shifted onto Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong. Very soon, we're going to be talking about the players. What do the players do to be able to make it right. What do the players do in response to Craig Berube, the first head coach in the history of the Blues, to win the Cup, getting fired? Alex, who are you looking at? Who are the guys that you're going to be spotlighting that you say, hey, you take the ice against Ottawa, a bad hockey team, coming up on Thursday night. You're watching them to see what their response is to what took place in the last 24 hours. So let me follow up your question with another question. Who, Who do you guys believe, and the listeners as well, who do you believe you know what you're getting from every single night they step on the ice for the Blues. Because Armstrong... Good, bad, and different. Like, I know what the... Let's start the with good. Let's start like. with good. Because what Armstrong said in the press conference was, I, it's not good when you come to the ice every single night and not know what your team is going to provide. So let's break it down individually. Number one on my list is Jake Neighbors. Agreed. I know exactly who Jake Neighbors is going to be every single Agreed. night that he takes the ice. And it's a problem that he's the guy that we're referencing. He's 21 yeah. years old, and it's for his first full season in the, the, the NHL. The 21-year-old who spent last year half the season in the American Hockey league is the guy that we said number one i think he has been the most consistent player on the nhl team and i don't think there's a close second um if you were to say hey who is the second guy for you i would probably say shin i don't know that but i would say shin sunquist and i I know people aren't going to like this i would say kevin hayes because i knew what kevin hayes was coming into the season and kevin hayes has been that for you this season i I think preko has been up there too well i I think i was just going forward group there are there any other forwards you guys because i I was wondering if you were going to put one of the two names that i'm going to army sure made it seem like he would put robert thomas into that category i would not i would not either because thomas has been streaky to where you've had a stretch where you're like okay Looks like the number one guy, and then he's at a stretch where it's been like you're getting yeah. beat by the other team's best uh, line. Alexi Torpchenko, I think I know what I'm getting from him every single night. Now, that being said, they keep trying to make him into a top six, top nine forward. I don't think he's yeah. that, but uh, I, I think Alexi Torpchenko, when he's on the fourth line, he's driving offense, he's going uh, wide, and then bring like I know exactly who he is, exactly what he's going to do. I know what his strengths are, his weaknesses are, and they show up every single night on the ice. So I would say he's one of the others. What about Pavel Buchnevich? I think most nights I have a pretty good idea of what he's going to be. I would not, not say all nights. nights. Okay, so forward-wise, we said it was... Bottom bottom six forwards. We said it was Hayes, Shen, Sunquist, Torpchenko, and Jake Neighbors. Yep. Five forwards. Now let's go to the defense. I don't have one. I think Preko's oh, the only I, one that I would I, throw I, yeah, in there. Colton Preko, absolutely. And honestly, I'd put Marco Scandella in I that. think Preko's had some nights where I, I would say it hasn't been great, but that's fair. If uh, you, I, I would put those I also put, wouldn't have put Kevin Hayes because of his start to the season in there, but I think lately he's been very yeah, good. So. I would put those seven guys and then the gold tenders. I don't think that I would put... Bennington had a weird two-week stretch that kind of throws me off here, but Benner uh, for know, the vast yeah. majority of the season has been really good. And yeah, Holford, so to me, even though he's been inconsistent, he's still a rookie with this team. But you ask who I would say I'm focused on, Every other person that we just <laughs> talked about that we didn't mention, 
That's who I'm focused on because that's the problem right now. Uh, after hearing Braden Shen against the Chicago Blackhawks say, like, we've got guys who decide to show up and play at certain times, whereas we've got guys who are ready to play from start to finish. The guys that Braden Shen's talking about are the guys that we said, man, you know what, they've been up and down this season. Those are the guys that my eyes are going to be eagle eyes on because if they're not still after the Craig Berube firing, where Braden Shen and Jordan Bennington and Colton Pareko can all stand up in that locker room and say, guys, we just got a Stanley Cup caliber head coach fired because our inconsistency. And if those players that have been up and down all season long still are, boy, I don't know what I'm going to get from them tonight, then welcome to your problem. Yeah. I, I would I would say that I have more specific players that I'm looking for. Because I'm looking towards the guys that are making the most money on the team. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. You have committed to them in a significant way, and they need to be your best players. So I'm looking at Kyrou, Thomas, Shin, Booch. Those are the guys. Those are your best forwards. They're your highest paid forwards. They are the guys that you're building around. I need them to respond in a significant way. And defensively, you're looking at your top four. The top four. Like, it's really that simple to me. If those guys play their best, you're not an elite team in the NHL. But if they play your best... It should look better than it has lately. It should be something where you have a pretty good idea of what you're going to get on a night-in, night-out basis. And the Blues simply haven't been able to predict any of that. We did hear from Doug Armstrong earlier today, and he talked a lot about that top four defensively, Alex. I asked him, you've changed the coach in terms of the defensive coach, not the head, now the head coach as well. You've changed the structure. You said last year that might have been a one-off, or maybe it's the players that we expected too much from. How do you view the defensive core right now? Here's what Doug Armstrong had to say earlier today. I would say our team is inconsistent. Their better games this year look like look better than their better games last year. You know, if that if that makes any sense. Like uh, I, I've seen I, I've seen a resurgence in, in in and the numbers might not dictate Tory Krug. Like Tory Krug might be one of the most competitive players we have on a nightly basis. People may agree or disagree or. But I, I just see a guy that comes in now, and, and, and he's maximizing what he can do. I think Colton Perenko has has proven to I don't know I don't know if he's proven anything to people in St. Louis. He's proven to people around the league, like he was an Olympic candidate for Canada for a reason. He, he's playing to that caliber of hockey now. So I and there's other guys that aren't playing to the caliber that. So there there's I've seen better play from more guys than I saw better play from last year, uh, but. When our team game suffers, they're the ones that look the worst. Them and the goalie look the worst. And our variance on a nightly basis is, is what's concerning. Yeah, everybody has their whipping boy. Whether it's Colton Pareko, Tori Krug, Nick Letty, Jordan Cairo, every single person listening right now has a whipping boy that they, every time something goes wrong, he could be on the damn bench and be like, wow, Jordan Cairo didn't get off the bench or on the bench fast enough, and that's the reason why. But to Doug's point, just honing in on Tory Krug, who he was talking about there, I don't disagree that he's one of the most competitive guys on the ice because Tory Krug's taking extra slashes at guys if they take an extra whack at their goaltender. Tory Krug is shoving guys around in the boards. He's pushing them around. The problem is there's a difference between competitiveness and the results coming with it because as much as I agree with Doug of Tory Krug is one of the most competitive players on this roster, Tory Krug is also getting beat a lot in the crease. Last uh-huh. night... Robbie Fabry outmuscled him, and we all know how big Robbie Fabry is. Robbie Fabry outmuscled him for that puck that was loose that scored the rebound. Jake Wallman outmuscled the loose puck in that zone 
with him on the ice. So I, I do agree that the competitiveness is there by Tory Krug, and frankly, there's a lot of guys I'd love to see that have that fire that Tory Krug plays with. But at some point, a guy who's 23 minutes a night with the competitiveness, the results have to show, and it, it did not in that game, in the Columbus Blue Jackets game. They basically owned the crease that was possessed by Joel Hofer. You cannot allow that. Even if you're the most competitive player in the National Hockey League, if you're allowing guys to outposition you in front of the goaltender, something's wrong. And, and that's why, like, I, I, I think the biggest frustration today is because it's – I think that both answers are right. I think there's a compete issue, which then led to the question of, did Craig Berube lose the locker room? So you have to make the change there, and you're going to circle a lot of the guys, the highest-paid guys, as we just mentioned, and say, okay – why are they not competing? Was it just the message became stale, or is this a issue for the long term? And also the fact that I don't think they're a skilled enough hockey team. Because you're right, like Tory Krug is playing or competing well. I do believe so. I don't. I don't think his lack of what the numbers show and us saying like, "Hey, I think Krug's having a bad season," is because he's not competing. No, I think Krug is competing. I think it's just a skill issue and in a in, in a tough spot. So it, it's why they are a team that is stuck really in two different tough paths. And I don't know where they go from here because. I think they did. I think Craig Ruby potentially did lose the locker room based on what I heard in the locker room with Shannon Bennington today. And I, I think that they have a skill issue. And I, I think Armstrong knows both of those are the problem. I think, I think he knows the roster's not good enough. And I think he knows that there's a competitive issue with inside that locker room door. And I think he views the competitive issue as being more concerning. He knew there was a retool. And I, that I would agree with place. that. Uh, he knew that the retool was happening, and he admitted as much. And I don't know that I've ever heard Doug Armstrong place specific limitations upon his team the way that he did earlier this year. He said, hey, you know, if, if we finished third in the Central Division, I'd be pretty happy about that. Like, that, that'd be a really good year for us. So he knew there were limitations on this roster. He said today, you look at the roster that they have out in Colorado. We're not as good as them. But you look at teams like Columbus, you look at teams like Detroit, you look at these teams that they, Chicago they've gone up against recently. It's like, man, you can't look at those rosters and tell me that we're worse than them. But we got outcompeted by them, and that's the concern. Control your controllables. Everything else will figure itself out, man. But if this team competes on a night-in, night-out basis, he believes, even if we don't, whether we do or not, doesn't much matter. He believes he's the one that makes the decisions. This team should be better than it has been playing so far this year. He also added something else because he said a number of times that he's looking for increased passion and increased accountability. That accountability word is something that he uses a lot, and part of that falls at his doorstep as well. If guys aren't performing, he has to hold them accountable, and that means making really difficult decisions that he says he's not against. These aren't threats. I mean, threat. who cares about threats? There, there's, there's a reason. I don't want to say this correctly. I'm not against buying players out. You know, it's not, it's not something that you feel is your first course of action. But I'm also not against if players aren't pulling their weight, they go to the American Hockey League. That, that, you know, that, that's. And if we have to put players in the American Hockey League, 31 other teams get to decide: Are they worth that amount of money? And what's going to happen is if we get to that point, it'll be some teams like the player that can't afford them, and then we go to work and see if we can <coughs> find a way to, to, to make it work for everybody. But really, nothing can be off the table as far as responses now for, for, for management. 
He says he's not against buying players out. He's not against sending them through waivers to the AHL. It's just not something we've really ever seen. And that, that's my big question is, okay, this was the easy choice. This one has just cost you money. Basically buy out the contract of Craig Berube, tell him to go away, bring in somebody new, put him into that chair, find out what the response looks like. The hard part now is finding out, okay, there's probably going to be players that don't live up to expectations, that don't respond to this the way that you want them to. Then what? Are you really going to send them to the AHL? Are you really going to have that conversation with your owner where you have to say to him, hey, we're going to have to spend $15 million to send this guy away because we got to buy him out. And that's going to be on our cap sheet for the next six years. Especially when a team in your own division is suffering from that same problem, the Minnesota Wild, where they can't do anything when their problems are bad because they've spent $4 million or they're due $4 million for the next like eight years to two guys and they the bought no out. And the no-trade clauses that this team has handed out is part of why you might have to make those kinds of decisions. That's so, why you gave them the no-trade clauses. That's why I find it to be a really interesting time. One of the big holdups, and I don't even want to hear it anymore on the text line, yes, this is part of the holdup. This is the holdup, of, at, at least at the beginning, with Alex Petrangelo. But somebody texted in saying they were sitting across from Whatever. a Blues I, person. I don't even care oh, anymore. Wow. Um, Congrats to them. Their <laughs> unwillingness to give out a no-move clause was because they wanted this ability. They wanted to have the opportunity, if somebody was underperforming, to be able to buy them out or to send them through waivers. If you had a guy with a no move, you cannot do that. So, I'm not saying they need to do this, but if the response is lackluster, if there's a guy that has already been underperforming this year and continues to do so and does not have any sort of trade value around the league, are you really going to make that move? Are you really going to send somebody through waivers or buy them out? I don't know, man, but that is something that I will also have my eye on the rest of the way. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up in about five minutes or so, coming up next, we're going to give you a chance to win a pair of tickets to see Journey and Def Leppard, so stay tuned for that. And we're going to hear from Braden Chin, who was in the locker room just a little bit ago. He had some interesting comments about whether or not Craig Berube lost the locker room. We'll let you hear what he had to say about that next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trashed wings in Missouri. Dine in. Carry out. Seven days a week. Alongside Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. We're broadcasting live at the EMB Granite Studios out at the Centene Community Ice Center where Doug Armstrong met with the media earlier today to discuss his decision to fire Blues head coach Craig Berube. We've been reacting to that news all day long. You guys have done so as well. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line to continue getting involved in the show. Keep that number handy because coming up here before the end of the hour, we'll give you a chance to win a pair of tickets to see Def Leppard and Journey uh, coming up in uh, next summer. That's on July 6th. So we'll give you opportunity to win a pair of tickets to see Def Leppard and Journey again coming up here in just a little bit. Normally we do the junk drawer here. Obviously with the breaking news today, we're going to stick with the story here in St. Louis, which is that Craig Berube has been fired. Which is fitting because it's junk drawer news. <laughs> there you go. T-Bone was in the locker room just a little bit ago. The Blues made uh, Braden Shin and Jordan Bennington available to the media to speak about uh, their coach being fired last night. Wanted to listen to a little bit of what Braden Shin had to say when asked about the messaging from Craig Berube and whether or not he had lost the locker room. 
You know what? I, I, it's uh, the pro sports where, uh, you know, Chief wanted a, uh, you know, hard, physical, you know, uh, workmanlike, demanding hockey team. And, um, you know, he kept on uh, pounding at home. And, and for whatever reason, we had spurts of it, but, but not enough of it. And, and um, you know, I, I felt like his message was, was very clear. It's always been black and white with Chief. And, and uh, uh, I know a guys certainly love playing for him, but, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where, uh, for whatever reason, uh, the, the, the response wasn't, uh, wasn't coming for uh, enough games. And, and uh, before you know it, uh, changes are made. I feel like we come to the rink or the game, and, and uh, whatever reason, we're, right now we're, we're sizing up opponents and, and we're uh, feeling our way through games rather than sticking to the structure and the game plan um, <clears throat> that ultimately wins you hockey games. So, um, when you want to do it uh, kind of maybe uh, that way or, or maybe own agendas on, on each given night, you're going to get uh, roller coaster results, and, and that's what we've got so far. I think what he said there is exactly the issue we've seen from this team. You, you have a group of players that don't know what to expect going into a game, and so they treat it as let's feel this team out and see what, who they are. Are they a rush team? Are they a four-check team? How are we going to play against them? The problem is, if there's five guys on the ice, six including the goaltender, but let's go with the five guys, and three of those guys are, hey, let's feel this out, while the other two are saying, no, we know what this is going to be. Let's put the puck in and let's go to work. Well, now you've got a mixed bag of emotions where two guys are doing this, three guys are waiting to figure out what's going to take place, and now you're getting a jumbled mess where other teams are capitalizing on you because they have the structure in place. And for Braden Shen to say it's black and white with Craig Berube, it's always been black and white with Craig Berube. And for people that don't believe me, listen to any of our pregame shows where Craig Berube talks with Chris Kerber. Because Craig Berube will say the key to this matchup and how we beat this team. And the key, he says, does not take place on the ice. When you see teams like Arizona and teams like Nashville and teams like Minnesota outplay the Blues and think, well, these guys should be on the same level as the Blues. The reason they're out competing you is because they know what their team is. They know what our structure looks like. You put the puck in if you're Nashville and you force the team to make turnovers. Minnesota, you put it in deep and you force the team to make turnovers. The Blues are a team that heard the message, said, let's do this on the ice, and then as soon as game takes place, it's, I don't know if we have the right message and we're going to have to go a different route. Don't get mad at me, Alex. Uh-oh. Don't get I, mad at I, me. I think I've, take, like, I've taken the point from being upset to just, just depression. I told you guys, I should have taken a mental health day today. So I'm just asking the question no, because you're not. I think it is a question that should be asked. No, you're not. Craig Berube wants to play a certain style. I think Craig Berube can play other styles. I don't think he is as cookie-cutter as people make him out to be. I think he has learned with the game. I think he has evolved with the game. I think he is more than happy for players to utilize their skill within a system. I believe all of those things. However, I do wonder if I have applied my own beliefs of Craig Berube onto him. And maybe there is a scenario, again, I don't know, but we're about to find out, in which Craig Berube is just going to coach one specific kind of team. There's a lot of coaches, man. Like, 
when you think in the NFL of what does a Bill Belichick-led football team look like, it looks a certain way. What does an Andy Reid-led football team look like? It looks a certain kind of way. Mike McDaniel, it looks a certain kind of way. They have principles. They have skill sets that they look for that they want their GM to go get so they can utilize them within their offenses for the most part with the guys that I just mentioned or Bill Belichick with his defense. I do wonder if Army provided Baruby a certain kind of player that doesn't really fit with the way that Baruby wants to play. Oh, I think that's exactly it, what happened. But as a coach, your job is to adjust. Okay, but but he did adjust with these types of players because when they were about to beat Colorado, it's the same team. Now, you I mean, your defense was the same group. But they were in different roles. Like, everybody has jumped up a peg now. The thomas Kyru buchnevich line was not your but maybe top that's line going the problem. Up. Maybe those guys weren't ready to jump up that peg. I think you're right. I don't think you have a top line right now. I think one of the biggest problems for the Blues is that they don't have a top line and they don't have a top pair defenseman. And when you don't have those two things, man, it's really hard to win consistently in this league. However, but what, what I'm saying is maybe what they need to look for in their next coach is not a guy that wants to win with a grinded-out style. Maybe this team isn't suited to play that way. Look at their defensive core. They're puck movers. They don't have the size that they once did. Look at their forwards. For the most part, man, they ain't big dudes. They're dudes that look like you and me. They're our size. We we had them come through this car wash style when they had the uh, media day. And the, most of them are pretty similar size-wise to you and me. Those aren't the tree trunks that this team used to have out there. And so, again, I am just wondering, like, I don't think you could win that way. <laughs> I, I think you need the bigger players to be able to win when you get into the postseason. But maybe that's part of this, is the message was lost because guys are looking around the locker room saying, man, we're trying to win with a get-out style. We don't have players to win that but way. I don't, but, but see, that's where I think the, the message... I don't know. That's where I think the message gets mixed. And and I, I think what you're saying is what a lot of Blues fans feel, to where, well, uh, Craig Berube only coaches a team that goes out there and hits everybody. That's not what his style is. He doesn't want guys to go out there and run you through the board like they did in 2019. What Craig Berube wants and what he always talks about is he wants their team to outwork the opponent. What he wants is you put the pucks in deep and you go to work. That doesn't mean throw them through the boards and make them wish they would have never looked at that puck. But are Thomas and Kairou guys that put the puck in deep and go well, to work? But is, is that how they win? Is that the best is way Connor to Is Connor Bedard the type guys? of guy that goes in and goes to work? That's how, we, that's I, how he's I been think, having success. I, I think this is where, because all this, what you guys are saying, I, I think this tells me that Ruby and Army were never on the same page of how to build the team after the Cup run. Or not after the Cup run, I would say after, what, that pandemic year, whenever the Hoffman year came around. Because I, I think Baruby, I would label him more, I wouldn't label him as a, he is a grinded out coach, but I wouldn't say, he, I would say he's more of a defensive minded coach. I think Army wants to build as an offensive team now. And I think you started to see this, clash between how they want to operate. But, I think you but, saw Baruby wants to be defensive-minded. But what and offensive guys that aren't teams that way. in the NHL are potential Stanley Cup champions in your People opinion? People thought coming into the year that the Devils were going to be that. And they're not. They're out of the playoffs, like sixth place right now. I mean, I... I agree with you because, like, I think Toronto, everybody people think could Toronto, be that. Edmonton, everybody looks everybody at those teams. Everybody always does, but what happens? They I, lose in the first I, two again, rounds. I, I agree. agree with you. I I have seen the research from Dom over at the Athletic. Love him or hate him, I don't really care. But his research is pretty good, and his research showed, and I couldn't believe this was the case. The single best way to pick NHL playoff series is to weigh the two teams. Literally, put them on scales. 
see who weighs more, and pick that team. Don't look at any of the advanced numbers. That's what I'm doing this year. Don't my look pick? at any of the goals per game. Nothing. Uh, Don't look I... at anything else other than, hey, who's heavier? If I keep eating properly, maybe the Blues will ask me to come play. I don't think the Blues are a particularly heavy team, so I don't think you can win he, this way. He, here's here's my, my biggest to, to the point we're talking about here. When, when people look at it and say, well, Craig Berube couldn't coach this type of team. That play last night. What Craig Berube wants the Blues to do in that situation where Jordan Kyber got pinned on the wall and held onto the puck too long and got pushed off of it and lost the puck. What Craig Berube wants that team to do is after that faceoff, the puck goes behind the net and they work to retrieve the puck from the defenseman and set up the power play. And what I'm saying is I don't know that these guys will ever do that. And yeah. and maybe that is a roster construction issue that is so flawed and that's that why you got to get rid of their asses. And that's why I don't think any coach you go find, you can go out there and bring in Drew Bannister, you can go out there and bring in Joel Quinville, uh, Rod Brindamore, None of that matters if the player is not willing to stop passing the puck from one side of the ice to the other and start going north with it. And sadly, this is unfortunate, that's why you have to fire the coach. Because you have to find out first. But I thought you knew that last year. What? That, that, that the team was way too focused on the skill rather than the work. I think you did, but you. I think first what you wanted to do was find out, okay, what about the structure? Is the structure the problem? Fire the co- assistant coaches, bring in a new structure. All right, what about the leadership core? Was the leadership core the problem? Get rid of Ryan O'Reilly, bring in new guys that you think are going to be better voices inside of the locker room. Yeah, that was a wild decision. Get rid of O'Reilly and bring in somebody else. Uh, I, 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 mean, reminded, co- yeah. I thought it was the right call. But, and they had like they had to trade him at the time because clearly, and in this offseason, I wouldn't have signed him. Yeah. Like, I, I got there were the signs of aggression there. from O'Reilly. Uh, now, granted, I, it didn't happen. I was going to say, how's of, that regression looking uh, right now? All oh, of pretty this good. Is blown up in their face, and I would bet on the same thing happening with Craig Berube. I think what you're going to find is that the players are the problem. I, I, I think, think you have the wrong crop of players here, and it's going to not get fixed until you figure out how to get the right crop of players in here. However, if I'm Doug Armstrong, if I'm in his spot, I, I think today I would have to make the same decision, even though I know the chances are it's going to blow up in my face. But the only move that I've got left, I'm on a chessboard here, and I've got one move that will not put me into checkmate, and that move is to fire the head coach. What's so frustrating about it is you could have avoided that move six moves prior. Yep, agreed. Six moves prior, you could have had checkmate on the opposition around the National Hockey League, but instead you backed yourself into a corner and said, what else are we going to do? And guess what? You're about to lose all of your pieces on the I board I watched now. Queen's Gambit, and so I know a little bit, very, very little about chess. You never played chess growing up? Not a lot. I mean, not well, right? Like, I, I played with my dad, and he I, kicked my I, ass I, I mean, time. say, I oh, suck man, at chess, right? but I love me some chess. I understand how the game works, but I can't tell you, like, the, do I have good strategy when I play? No. Absolutely not. God, no. But when they're playing... I'm like, yeah, you can always trace it back to a specific move where you made the wrong move and the other person was able to take advantage of what your decision was right there. That move for the Blues was getting rid of Alec Petrangelo. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. And I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about five minutes or so, what is the timeline of this Blues return? But right now, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. And we've got your chance to score a pair of tickets to see Def Leppard and Journey. Pour some sugar on me.
on July 6th at Bush Stadium. Tickets for Def Leppard, Journey, Cheap Trick, all at Bush Stadium go on sale on Friday, December 15th. That's coming up. Why wait, though? Just text in right now, 314-399-9646. You will have an opportunity to win free tickets to see the show. You can also find a bonus chance to register to win tickets to Def Leppard and Journey at 101ESPN.com or on the 101 mobile app. Alex, our question today. Craig Button joined us earlier today. And when asked about the timeline for the Blues, he said, if you think this is going to turn around in this amount of time, you are being very unrealistic. Oh, this is a good one. What was that timeline? How many months? I'll give you a hint. How many months did he say was unrealistic for the Blues to get this thing turned around? If you've got the correct answer, your text number 101, you're going to see Journey and Def Leppard at Bush Stadium. All right, coming up next, what is the timeline of this Blues turnaround? Talk about it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Seeing Jake Davis play this year. Jimmy Snuggerud, who was a first-round draft pick, is going to be a really good player. Uh, Zachary Bolduc, to me, is going to be a really good player. The players they drafted last year, three in the first round, they're all going to be uh, playing at the World Junior Tournament. Dvorsky, Stenberg, and Lindstein, all good players. What does that mean? They're young, and it's going to take two years before those players are going to come in and make a material difference to your team. That's just the way it works. So is, is there real promise? The, the coverage are far from there. There's really good uh, prospects. That was Craig Button, former NHL general manager, when he joined us earlier today. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Grant Francis doing a great job today for us back in the studio. We are broadcasting at the E&B Granite Studios at the Centene Community Ice Center because Doug Armstrong spoke with the media a little bit earlier today. Alex, they didn't want to put a timeline on this, and I don't blame them because who knows what the next step of this is going to look like. Is it going to be a two-year rebuild? Is it going to be a three-year rebuild? Is it going to be a, a one-season retool? What does this look like? We don't know. But that is what I wanted to ask you. What do you think the current timeline looks like for what the Blues are trying to accomplish right now? When is this team realistically expected to be a contender again? Well, under Doug Armstrong's process, according to what he said last year, I expected this year to be another tough season. Maybe you get a playoff spot. Maybe you don't, but you're at least fighting for one. Next year, you make the playoffs, and the following year was when you start to look like a team that's making some noise. And the timeline would check out because by that time, you're three years deep into Jake Neighbors. You've got, what, three years into Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas's contract, and you're talking about probably the second year of a Snuggerud and the second year of a Dalibor Dvorsky. And I just looked at this to kind of see when those young players with the Kings kind of started to click. Adrian Kempe in his fourth full season with L.A. became a 35-goal scorer. Gabe Velarde was a 25-goal scorer in his fourth full season with L.A. This is now the third season. Fourth full season? Yeah. 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 
And I, we're like six years away yeah, from I, it. Yeah, I think this is a three to five years. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Quentin compa- Byfield. Super competitive. Quentin Byfield, the second overall pick by the LA Kings, this is the first season that he is about to break through. And if I'm not mistaken, he was drafted in 2020. So your third season as the second overall pick. That's now, better. Yeah, well, now, yeah, but that's the second overall pick, and you're going to have to get there. The 10th overall pick's a little different. Now, some teams develop prospects faster. Some guys are just ready for the NHL. That's just the LA Kings. I mean, Adrian Kempe was an undrafted free agent. Right. So, But I, I would say now with, with you searching for a new head coach, I think this extends it another year or two. Because now not only are you hoping for these guys to develop, but they've got to develop into the coach that you were expecting to lead that team into success. So, I mean, I hate to put this on it, but yeah, I'm probably looking at restarting that three years from now, maybe four. I'm glad you brought up the Kings because that's the one that we've heard from Doug Armstrong a number of times is, hey, they, they went through basically a three-year retool. Here's the thing, though. He kind of leaves out the first part of the retool. Oh, what's the first part? It, it was actually five years that, oh. that they were retooling because the first year was when they kind of hit rock bottom coming out of what was that Stanley Cup contention, right? So in 2014, they win the Stanley Cup. The next year, they barely missed the playoffs. They had 95 points. That's a good team. They just ended up missing out on the playoffs under Sutter. The next year, make it back to the playoffs but lose in the first round. Then in 2017, so this is now three full seasons removed from the Stanley Cup, they missed the playoffs and they fired Daryl Sutter. Sound familiar? The next year, they get to the first round of the playoffs under their new head coach. That team ended up with 98 points. They're like, okay, I think we found our way again. Fool's gold. The next season, they end up being a terrible hockey team once again, finished last in their division, had 71 points in a full 82-game schedule, and fired that new coach that they just hired coming out of the Daryl Sutter era. So then you got to hire a new head coach. So we have had essentially three coaches in a three-year span And finally, that's the guy that has gotten them back on track. However, it took another two years before they even got to the playoffs, and they have not made it out of the first round of the playoffs since 2014. It's been a decade. So where are we at on that timeline, Alex? At what part of that? Are we at the Daryl Sutter just got fired part? Are we at the other coach that got fired? Are we in the early portions of the coach that is now currently in L.A.? Like, where are we at on the the L.A. Kings timeline that they have? So so give me the year once again when Daryl Sutter was fired. Sutter was fired coming off of the 2016-17 season. The next year, Stevens was their head coach, basically the start of the 2017 to keep it on our current fall timeline. The start of the 2017 season was Stevens. By the start of the 2019 season, it was McClellan who is now the head coach. So 2017 draft, the year that Sutter was fired, they had the 11th overall pick. The next year, 20th overall pick. The next year, 5th overall pick. The next year, 2nd overall pick. The next year, 8th overall pick. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unless you start getting those types of draft picks, I would say you're probably at the Daryl Sutter side of things. Now, if you... So we're like... You're at the beginning five years. Probably. Now... You did draft 10th overall, so that expedites this a little bit because the next year, L.A. at least got a little bit of life. They finished 20th, but then they fell back to earth and they started the process over again. Like Right now, it kind of feels like what that 2018 season or the 2017-2018 season was for the Kings to where they felt like they could make a push and be a good team, and then they got slapped back to reality the next season and selected 5th overall. But if you want to avoid that year and have to kind of restart the the whole cycle – you got to draft top five. Like it, the problem with, and we talked about this a little yesterday. You have to pick a side. 
because and part of me wonders if they did that with this Drew Bannister hiring of what you can't have happen is you be a playoff team, but you're a fringe playoff team and you finish two points out of a playoff spot because that one doesn't benefit the whole retool process that you're talking about, but it also doesn't benefit the long-term process of you figuring out the draft pick. So if you're going down that King's path, at some point you have to be able to draft your fifth overall pick, your second overall pick, your eighth overall pick on top of this cupboard being full with guys like Snuggerud and Dvorsky. I think this is a pivotal year for this team in terms of that retool if you can get one of those really good draft picks because even Doug said he, this team might be the 500 team that they are. 500 team doesn't get the job done. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kiley. Three one four three nine 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 six four six is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show. Coming up next, Alex, I looked in yesterday into teams that picked in the top ten, that top ten area that you're talking about. Man, if you do it, you kind of know as a head coach, I'm probably getting fired sooner rather than later. I'll give you the recent history of that and. What should the Blues be looking for in their next head coach, whoever that may be? We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What we want to stress as we're going through whatever we're going through now is a, a level of compete and a level of accountability. And whoever, starting with Drew tomorrow night, that's his mandate, accountability and compete. And those will be, that can come with a guy that's never coached a game in the NHL or that can come with a guy with a thousand games in the NHL. But it has to be, that has to be at the forefront of, of what, what I think will help us turn this around. Alongside Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. Grant Francis back in the studio for us. We're broadcasting live at the E&B Granite Studios out of the Centene Community Ice Center. That voice you just heard was Doug Armstrong, Blues president of Hockey Operations, earlier today talking about what the Blues are going to look for in their next head coach. Alex, I looked this up last night because I was curious on what the recent history looks like for teams that uh, draft in the top 10. It ain't pretty. If you draft in the top 10, the chances are your coach is probably going to get fired at some point in the next 18 months. I mean, you can just go back to as recently as like the 2020 NHL draft, top 10 that year. The Rangers picked number one, coach was fired after the next season. San Jose, coach fired midseason the next year. Anaheim, coach fired two years later. New Jersey, coach fired midseason the next year. Buffalo, coach fired midway through the next year. Minnesota, midway through the next year. Winnipeg, he lasted a while, year and a half, then ended up getting fired. Most of these coaches that select top 10 – your front office has already started thinking about, okay, we might not have the right guy in place. Or, hey, man, our team's no good. We're going to need to switch up this message because when you're losing as often as we are, it gets pretty stale pretty quickly. And having somebody that's grinding on you while you're losing, not exactly a great way to have a positive environment on a day-in, day-out basis. So I think for all of those reasons and many more, it was always a matter of time, unfortunately, before this day was coming for Craig Bruby, even though at least for me and Alex. I don't know about T-Bone. T-Bone hates Craig Bruby, apparently. It's true. Um, whoa, whoa. For, for us, T-Bone we, wishes we Mike disagree was still that here. it should not have I mean, I would have ripped the Band-Aid off last year, but it's okay. It was a roster issue more than a coaching issue. That being said, Alex, when you think about, okay, conceptually speaking, or maybe you've got a name, 
What should I know they, you got one, and I'll shoot that one down real quick. What should they be looking for in their next head coach? Well, if you're going off of what Doug Armstrong just mentioned, I'm going to be looking for two things. Somebody who can find a way to develop these younger players properly, which gives you the attitude side of what he was talking about, bringing these guys in and understanding the passion that needs to be taken place for this team. But a coach has to come in here and look at the – $8 million contracts, the $6.5 million contracts, and say, you are not playing up to the level that we need you to play at so that those guys understand and provide the team the talent that they're being paid for. That's the type of coach I'm looking for. You're going to have to have a healthy mix of getting the best out of your top players and developing these younger players. And frankly, as Doug mentioned, it's not impossible, but it is a massive task for a head coach. I I think I'm looking for an offensive-minded guy. And how can he get the best out of the Cairo, Thomas, uh, Buchnevich, if he's here long-term? How can a coach get the best out of those guys? Because... As much as like the defense did need to be fixed, and that was clearly the focal point, firing an assistant, bringing in a new assistant, and run a new scheme this year, I, I don't know if the defense can be fixed. The defense isn't playing that much better this year. Um, so switch the mindset to offense first, because who are the guys? Who are the quote-unquote face of the franchise? I think it's Cairo and Thomas. they got the contracts that say they are. So I want to get a head coach that's going to come in, work with those guys, and get the best out of them offensively. And whether that means you become a rush team or just whatever else that may mean, I think they got to be looking for an offensive-minded first head coach in the next hire. I, I think typically when you see stuff like this, you see a team go from one extreme to the other, right? You go from player's coach to a no-nonsense grind type oh, of Tortorello becomes available. Is that what you're saying? I oh, think geez. that's the guy. Mike Babcock's uh, <laughs> available. No, you, you go from a offense coach to a defense coach. Like we, we see this stuff. It doesn't matter the league that we're talking about. That's the way that the – Um, there's like a rubber band effect of you like snap up, snap down. But if that's going to be the case, Bruce Boudreaux? No. No. Bruce! No. No. I'm not telling you this is the ideal candidate. My man is 68 years old. Blues are going through a retool. I don't know if this is the kind of job that he's looking for. But it's a job. It It probably pays pretty well. He is definitely an offensive-minded head coach. Yeah, and a guy whose defense takes a massive step backwards, and you've got a ton of tiny defensemen who can't play but defense. Can we be honest? How much farther a step back can the Blues' defense take? <laughs> not, a, not a big one. <laughs> you want to regress to last year? I mean, they're like the they, same as this year. They kind of are in their last fourteen. Yeah, games. yeah, fourteen games. But and like the last, again, the first thirteen. I said this on Monday when no. we talked about Here's it. Here's the problem: Bennington with- bailed them out. They gave up a ton of shots. This is the problem with Bruce Boudreaux. It doesn't do the one point that I said. He doesn't come in and bring accountability to your players that are getting paid the most. You look at his time in Minnesota, he was fired because he couldn't get the best out of Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. And what do they have to do? They cut both of those guys because they weren't well, living up to expectations. Clearly, that was a player issue, well, too. Are you going to get to that point here, or are you just going to fire him to get a new one? Maybe. I don't think you will. I think you're just going to bring in another head coach and but then can, say, well, he couldn't here, do it. Here would be my Here would be my I don't want to call it a retort, but this would be my thing about that and what you're saying in bringing in the next head coach. Can I be honest? I think the guy they bring in next 
is not going to be here when they leave the retool. Agreed. I think you're looking for a stopgap guy that can help get Kyrou and Thomas to the next level, and then when you're ready for Dvorsky or Snuggerud to get to that point or you're looking to improve no, the defense that you're bringing in new guys see, for, then you bring in the new see, guy. See, I disagree with that. I think you're bringing in a guy, and the reason you're going to wait to bring in the right guy is this guy is going to be the one that brings both of those sides together. Because Maybe. next year, if, next, if it's five years, though, if you're right and it's going to be five years, then that's not happening. Next year, the next, hope is that Snuggerud and Dvorsky are going to be at least competing for this team. If you're going to be drafting in the top ten for the next three years, that whoever the head coach that is hired next will be fired I, before they yeah, – If they I'm Doug Armstrong, I don't want to be drafting in the top ten the next three years. I agree, but if that's what we're, our our mindset is, our belief is for this team, then that that's, that's going to be really tough for a coach to make it through that. That being said, the reason why I would consider somebody – like, forget Bruce Boudreaux specifically, but somebody that profiles that way, right, that is a – offense first, let's play free and easy, let's make this thing something that Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo are going to thrive in. Whether they will or won't, I don't know. But let's let's do something that is probably more similar to what their hockey um, persona is, right? Let's let them fail. If it fails and they play the way that they want to play, it's pretty easy then to either say they're the problem or, hey, we did things your way. We gave up seven goals a night. You ready to play real hockey? You ready to go out there and play the structure that we need you to so you can actually have fun again where you're winning because the fun is in the winning? Okay, now we're ready to do that. That's personally how I would view it as, hey, man, my two best players want to play a specific kind of way. Let's let them. Let's see what this ends up looking like. And it, it may be so crazy that it works. Or it might fail spectacularly. And either way, I'm here for it. I, I think, and this is like Captain Obvious statement because everybody wants this guy. I think the hope is you find a Jared Bednar. The hope is you find a guy, a John Cooper with the Tampa Bay Lightning. The hope is you find a guy who is, and honestly, it's Craig Berube when you brought him in. You find a guy who had the success in the minors with the younger players but can get the best out of his top players at the NHL level. And I'm going to throw a name out here that I threw it to both of you guys at the beginning of the show. Daryl uh, Sutter. No, not Daryl Sutter. I think Daryl Sutter, unfortunately, has, uh, has, has, has seen retirement for the last time. I never say never. Um, it's Rod Brendamore. And I mean, if he's available, he's, he's the only guy you call and you, you make the godfather offer that he can't Yeah, I, I, and I don't even and know. And that guy you would never fire because of how unbelievable he is at his job. Right, and I mean, he's not an offensive-minded head coach, but he's a player that has accountability towards every single player on the ice, the t- guys that make the most money and the guys that make no money, and he gets the best out of them. I don't think Carolina would let this guy walk. Frankly, if they do, they're stupid, but Carolina might miss the playoffs this year. They're not playing like a playoff team, and if that's the case, he's a free agent at the end of this one. So, you need to find somebody, and, and you know me, BK, I, I hate this vicious circle of the same guys and you're just kind of repeating over and over. and like, oh, let's give him his 19th opportunity at the NHL. You're going to have to find somebody for this team to take the step out of the retool and avoid the rebuild. You're going to have to find somebody who can get a healthy mixture of Thomas and Kairou understanding what he wants from them and bringing it on the ice every single night but then getting the best out of these younger players and developing them into the NHL style. Because I do believe that this head coach, if you're Doug Armstrong, this is the guy you want to be here when the team exits out of the retool. Do you find it interesting, according to Jeff Merrick, that Bruce Boudreaux is in the mix to coach Team Canada at the Spangler Cup? Oh, yes. That's the so, World Juniors. The Blues, don't, or the Blues don't have any prospects other than Michael Buchinger there. We're so getting Team USA, Bruce who's Boudreaux. got Jimmy Snuggerud, will be the one that, uh, that they focus in on. 
just saying, you know, I, I know one person that's involved with Team Canada. Happens to have a pretty big association with the St. Louis Blues. Just don't understand. His name how, is Doug Armstrong. Uh, that, and if he is connected with... This Bruce is going to be the Pedro. hardest part. Bruce, this Bruce is why I'm opposed yeah. to them signing him. Just because hire him. It's because I can't say the man's name. Bruce Boudreau. One of the reasons why I, I find the name to be interesting is because of stuff like this. I, saying, I don't Just think saying. this is the right move. I'm doing J.P. Morosi reporting here where yeah. I'm taking I like Kerm it. over here, Brett Kerm over here. Well, I'll do that, Let's too. Rod Brindamore played in St. Louis and was drafted by the St. Louis Blues. <laughs> oh. So yeah, who doesn't want to go home? Am I right? He's Alex. That's T-Bone on BK. Chris Gerber, the voice of the Blues, is next. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for Curbside with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite contractor. Alongside Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. We got Grant Francis back in the studio because we are broadcasting live here in the E&B Granite Studios out of the Centene Community Ice Center where Doug Armstrong addressed the media earlier today. As the Blues have made a move, they have fired head coach Craig Berube, and we are joined now by the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, via the 101 ESPN hotline to discuss the news of the day. Kerbs, we appreciate the time as always, man. Let's get right into this thing. Uh, what was your reaction this morning when we were able to meet with Doug Armstrong to some of the things that he had to say? Anything in particular that stood out to you from our conversation with Army? Uh, yeah, I think the message that... And I, that was important to get out of that is something that was consistent from where he was at last year, and that is he's not right now overly concerned about wins and losses as he is about process and the style of play that he is seeing. And what I mean by that is, you know, I, I think that had the Blues maybe beaten San Jose, Chicago, and Columbus, yet lost a tight game to Vegas, Colorado, and Tampa – versus the other way around, I don't know that you're in the same spot right now. So there's there was something clearly with a style of play that he didn't like, that he didn't like the trend that it was going. And, you know, it, much as we disagree with it, that old adage of, well, you, you can't fire 23 players at once uh, kind of rings pretty true right now. And obviously Drew Bannister's taking over this spot curves, but with Doug Armstrong saying that, you know, it's an open process of figuring out who that next permanent coach is going to be. We've talked a lot about it. What do you feel like the qualities are that he's searching for? Well, I think he's going to be, it's an interesting question. I I think you have to have a, a strong conviction behind the bench. I think you have to have a strong idea. You've got to really work the bench well during the game. I, I thought, for the most part, his time with the Blues, Craig Berube was one of the best uh, bench coaches uh, in the game in terms of some of the adjustments and things that we saw made. Uh, somebody that's, you know, if you go back to, to the, the end of the season press conference, one of the things that Doug Armstrong said about himself was that he needs to spend some time about understanding some of the younger players and what it takes to communicate with them and things along those kind of lines. Well, Drew Bannister is a very safe interim head coach to bring in right now. He's coached a lot of these guys. I just stood in the locker room and talked to Hugh McGing, Tyler Tucker, Alexei Torovchenko, and Scott Perunovich all at the same time. And all four of those guys have played for Bannister. Kairou, Hofer, Bennington, they've all played for Bannister. Blay played for him. So they know a little bit about what the guy is, is coming in. So I think you've got to have a really good communicator. You have to have a good tactician. 
but it's got to be a people person that knows how to motivate. And uh, I think motivating is, is done in so many different ways, but you've got to connect because this team is going to get, not only are they young now in terms of their key core that they want to have the main thing, they're going to get younger if a Snuggerud and a Dvorsky come in and, and, and a Dean or a Bolduke. You've got to be able to communicate to those guys. We're talking to Chris Kerber. The and by voice the way, the real blue. quick, and, and I apologize for that, Brandon, real quick. Like, when I say that, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that Craig Berube couldn't. I, I actually – I have seen with Craig Berube more than any other coach that's been with the Blues in my time with the Blues – I saw more younger guys become pure NHL pros under Craig Berube than I have with any other coach. And so it's a, again, it's a, it's a challenge there to mix it all together, but um, you know, but, but that is going to be a real big key. Curves. What, what happened then? Like, I, I agree with you. I, I cannot believe that we've arrived at this place less than four years after uh, the blues won a Stanley cup. The first coach to hoist that trophy over his head here in St. Louis is fired. Why? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I just think the roster changed. Uh, I, I don't know that you've got as many players in here right now that have vested as much time wearing the blue note that have the same care factor that some of the other guys did. You know, when I went back and I looked this morning at just the, the, the amount of time, you know, and years experience now, and saying that, I know Ryan O'Reilly was with us first year with the team. So was so was Tyler Bozak, right? But the, these are guys that were 10, 11, 12 years into their NHL career that that, that were on a different level. Um, you know, the, the Blues were trying to do it now with guys that they had moved out already once before in Sunquist and Blay. They're 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 putting you know a 24 and a 25 year old kid in the top spot that Ryan O'Reilly, you know, at at 30 you know, and, and what was playing in and, and those kind of things. So I just think experience and it takes some time. And, and to do that, when you, when you put young kids against the top players and the best vice time of against the other team's best matchups, there's a learning curve. And, and with that is going to come some inconsistency. Now the, the, the issue is, is if the inconsistency is because you're making mistakes out of effort, that's one thing. But you can't keep making the mistakes, for example, like Kyrou made on that overtime goal last night. Uh, things along those kind of lines are ones that you've got to, if you're going to make them, which you understand them making them, you've got to learn from them and stop making them. And, and in the end, I think this thing just started to spiral to a certain point. And the one thing I know for sure, when things start to spiral out of control in the NHL, it's hard to get a hold of them. And a lot of times it ends up costing good coaches jobs. Speaking of those costing good coaches, good jobs, Curves, how do you feel like this is going to resonate in the locker room when, when you got guys like Shen and Bennington and Colton Pareko who know the message works from a Craig Berube that's black and white when you've got other guys, as Braden Shen has pointed out, that may not understand the message? Well, as much as we'd like to know the impact right now, we're going to have to give this some time because – Clearly, what was going on wasn't creating consistency to give yourself a chance to win. It, it wasn't playing a winning hockey. I thought Doug Armstrong's comments were great. Like, you know, we scored a lot of goals on Arizona. We scored a lot of goals on Buffalo. You came away with the win, but you, you clearly weren't out playing those teams. So I'm, I'm curious to see how ice time shifts under Drew Bannister. I'm curious to see what a power play unit looks like under Drew Bannister as the first few games go along. And I'm curious to see if sometimes just a little different ice time, little scenarios, 
create a renewed uh, wife and fire that, that, that leads to some more success reinforcement. So I think that these guys, like a Braden Chen, where he's at, I think they're extremely coachable. I, I think he understands that sometimes this is part of the game. They'll t- they, guy like Braden Shen, you don't have to worry about taking ownership and, and accountability, which is the buzzword of the day, right, and, and those kind of things. I think you're going to see just continued effort from them. It's, it's some of the other guys, you know, are we going to see the consistency from, and, and that is what will determine whether or not this team has a turnaround, at least on Kurt, the ice of the season. Curves, appreciate the time as always, man. Good to see you out here at the uh, Centene Community Ice Center earlier today. wish, of course, it was under better circumstances, but uh, we look forward to hearing you on the call to see what the response looks like tomorrow night between the Blues and the Ottawa Senators. All right, guys, talk to you a little later. Got it. That's Chris Kerber, voice of the blues. He joins us each and every Wednesday here on BK and Ferrario. You can join Chris Kerber and 101 ESPN on Sunday at the new Chicken and Pickle in St. Charles. Sunday is the first pickleball tournament ever at the new Chicken and Pickle location, and it is an ugly sweater tournament. Plus, plenty more happening at their new facility that includes 11 pickleball ga- uh, courts, a, gar- a game yard, a rooftop bar, and so much more. You can check it all out on Sunday with Chris Kerber. He'll be at Chicken and Pickle from 11 to 1 in St. Charles. More information can be found at 101ESPN.com. Coming up next, we'll give you a chance to win a pair of tickets to see Blues versus Stars coming up this weekend. And we'll wrap a bow on all of the news that came out today. Craig Ruby fired. We'll give you our final thoughts here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's run it back with a daily rewind on PK and Ferrario brought to you by Gloria Loom, your home sold guaranteed realty. Selling your home begins at GloriaHasTheBuyers.com. T-Bone on BK. Huge thanks to Grant Francis, who was uh, willing to come in in a pinch today to help us out in the studio uh, to allow T-Bone to be out here for the press conference. And then uh, T-Bone was able to get the audio from Shin and Jordan Bennington. So shout out to Grant Francis for making all of this possible for us. If you've missed anything from today's show, be sure to check it out on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com. And the free 101 ESPN app is where you can go to find it. It's all presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Alex, we have just a few minutes left here. If you had to give your elevator pitch on how you're feeling today, <laughs> again, elevator pitch about Craig Berube, the decision to move on from him and kind of wrap a bow on what today's news is, your, your elevator pitch is what? Frustration. Um, I, I just, I, I personally believe that the Blues should have never gotten to this point. Uh, they, they constructed a roster that wasn't dedicated towards the head coach who had a lot of success, as Doug Armstrong talked about, won a Stanley Cup, best team in the Western Conference, and then minus the COVID year, 110-point season. Uh, You're talking about a team that knew how to win, had the culture in place, had the players in place, and although every team has to go through an evolution into a new era, they rushed into that new era and forced a Stanley Cup caliber head coach out the door, and now 
to me, they're going to be searching for what Craig Berube pr- provided for the next few seasons. So the onus is now on the players to go out there and prove that this team is good enough to win, and Doug Armstrong made the right decision. Yeah, I, I think this all. St- I think it leads from management decisions from ever since the Petro decision when they let him go, and I think it's all kind of snowballed, and I don't think Berube and Army really ever got on the same page of what the roster was going to look like, that what it needed to look like. I think it all kind of came to a head. It's been happening for the last, I'd say, year and a half now with the changes in the offseason with the assistant coaches. All came to a head and it led to Craig Brewery being fired. I, I don't know if he's necessarily deserving of being fired, but they had to make a change. They've made a couple changes. They couldn't fire any players. Leads to the guy being the fall guy and Craig Brewery. I... I've said this a million different times, but I, I think it all goes back to the Petro decision. And I think that decision was made earlier than what some people are giving it credit for. I, I think they traded for Justin Falk with the full knowledge that they weren't going to be re-signing Alex Petrangelo because he was demanding and worthy of a no-movement clause. And they weren't willing to do that. And so when they traded for Justin Falk, they decided that we are going to have a philosophical shift of who we are as a team. We are getting away from these heavy, big tree trunk defensemen and getting puck movers. We're getting guys that are faster. We're going to go. I remember talking to Doug Armstrong about it at the time. We are moving towards the speed of what the current NHL is. He felt like they had fallen behind in that regard and they needed to get faster. Well, as they got faster, they also got smaller. And as they got smaller and faster, they got further and further away from what 2019 Blues hockey looks like. And when you do that and you revert back to different things, different types of players, different personalities, it all leads to the logical conclusion, which was yesterday. Your head coach getting fired, and I don't think they're a better team today. I think they're a worse team today than they were yesterday because I think Craig Burby was a good coach. But I also understand from his perspective, you got to eliminate that variable and allow yourself to really evaluate what is going wrong within this roster. Is it rotten to the core? Or was it a leadership issue? We're about to find out. Hey, this is your chance to score a pair of tickets to see the Blues game this Saturday against the Dallas Stars at Enterprise Center. Text in now, 314-399-9646 for your opportunity to win. Free tickets to Blues versus Stars coming up this weekend. You can also find a bonus chance to win at 101ESPN.com or your 101 mobile app. Yesterday, during the junk drawer, I asked Alex, what do 50% of men say they are capable of doing? If you know the answer to that question in your texture number 101, you are getting the pair of tickets to see Blues versus the Stars. For Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. Another shout-out to Grant Francis, who did great work back in the studio for us today, making everything possible for us to broadcast out here to get you guys the latest information from the Centene Community Ice Center. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow at 11 a.m. Fastlane's coming up next. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.